Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. How are we doing today? I'm doing great, bro. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm excited about this. We are going to play, uh, I guess, a game show today uh, for, <laughs> for the Good Fight Radio Show. Actually, it's not a game show. It's actually serious. Sad, actually, but yeah. But one of the things we want to talk about, and we've talked a lot on this show about capital H versus lowercase h heresies because heresy means to divide. So we want to talk about those things which which divide, but we want to categorize them and not just do uppercase and lowercase, but actually get them to the point where we're saying, is this damnable or is it flammable? Can it cause a flame and a fire that can send people to hell. So that's how we're going to categorize it today. So we are going to be talking about those two categories. When I bring it up to Joe, he's going to answer whether or not this doctrine is damnable or is it flammable. And so to get off this, to get the show on the road, as they say, preterism, damnable or flammable. It depends whether you're talking about preterism that's commonly believed or full preterism, which many believe as well. Uh, many Calvinists hold to preterism, which, and some non-Calvinists, which it's a Latin term that means past, and it's the idea that prophecy has already been fulfilled, or most prophecies of, that Jesus gave, and, and the apostles in the New Testament, especially Jesus, were already already fulfilled. And and again, when we're talking about damnable versus flammable, it's like you said, the, the lower H and the uppercase H, which we came up with some time ago as to define what heresies are so great that they're damnable, meaning if you believe them, you're damned. You're not a Christian. You're outside the, the pill of Orthodox Christianity versus which ones are flammable or lowercase h, meaning they're destructive. But I was thinking this, this today, we, I think you guys went through the same quandary. You guys were like, how do we get to uppercase, lowercase? It's kind of a long deal. And when I had sent to you guys, let's deal with that, I said, you know what? I thought, you know what? Flammable or inflammable, meaning or, or damnable or flammable, uh, because that works, because because we're not saying that a heresy that has a capital H isn't dangerous and can't potentially cost you your soul. Or lowercase h. Or yeah. lowercase h. So what we're saying is there's damnable heresies if you just believe, for instance, you deny that Jesus is God. That's a damnable heresy. Yeah. But we're talking about those things that are in the body of Christ, and most, you don't have people in the body of Christ saying that Jesus is not God, because that's a damnable heresy. So, and if a flammable heresy would be one that is dangerous but doesn't reach the level of being damnable, meaning you're not damned just for believing it, but it's flammable. And I thought, I'm going to use flammable to rhyme with damnable because these are heresies that could ignite in your life and cost you your soul. So uh, the preterism, how does that work that way? Well, uh, this is definitely flammable at the very least. And, and you've seen it with your own eyes. Before. Yeah, I have seen. I know it I don't want to go too eyes. deep, but yeah, yeah, because yeah. we got to cover so many. But Sorry. I, yeah, yeah, no, but that's a great example. You know, you see people that embrace. I've seen people embrace preterism, 
And I think a lot of times they do it out of fear. They don't want to believe, wow, we're going to have to face the great tribulation period. And uh, we, we don't want things to get worse. We want to believe that God's going to establish the kingdom of God on earth or what have you. Uh, sometimes a lot of Reconstructionists, kingdom dominionists, hold to uh, preterism, that, oh, it's all fulfilled. So that's, that's taking what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Mark 13, Luke chapter 21, the book of Revelation even, 22 chapters, and saying most, almost everything here is fulfilled except for his second coming. Even many of the second coming passages that we understand to be second coming, Matthew 24, 29 through 31, when, you know, uh, he comes and the tribes of earth mourn, he'll be laughed in the tribulation, gathers up his elect. Oh, that already happened in 70 AD. This is all very, very dangerous because Jesus has given us a roadmap into the future and said, I've said these things in advance, you know, uh, take heed, I've said these things in advance. And in John 16, verse one, he says, I tell you this is ahead of time so you won't fall away. Uh, and they're very dangerous because in Revelation chapter 22, verse 19, where we're not to take away from the words of the prophecy of Revelation. And it would be one thing, it would be horrible to do what Joseph Smith does is he changes certain, I, I have the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. And when you look at the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible, you see that he, he, he basically adds certain words here and there. And, he, and then he, there's things taken out where you just read in certain things he said. And that's one thing, but this is even worse in some ways because what you're doing is you're saying, guess what? None of this book is relevant to the future. And it was all fulfilled in 70 AD, which is crazy because it was written in the 90s, according to Irenaeus, who was a disciple of Polycarp, was a disciple of John, who wrote it. Uh, and in the 90s, under Domitian, he was, he was exiled to uh, Patmos. I'm talking a little fast, and I get a little excited about these kinds of things because I'm concerned about souls, and so is Chad. Uh, but uh, I would say inflammable at the very least, or flammable at the very least, because... Uh, these things could ignite in your life to where you're not looking for the Lord. You're not looking for prophecy to be fulfilled. And then you're easily deceived because you're not taking Jesus' warnings in advance because Jesus specifically said, I've told you these things ahead of time so that when they come, you will not fall away. So you take away what he said ahead of time, you are primed to fall away. Plus, you're messing with God's word and uh, that's dangerous to do Revelation 22, 19. Not to mention what happens with Satan as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so, oh yeah, and that's a good point because yeah, a lot of the Satan's important. already bound right now. And so forth. It leads to so many uh, problems and uh, full preterism, though. Full preterism yeah. is just damnable heresy because as soon as you believe what's taught in, in full preterism, you're denying the bodily resurrection uh, of the believers, which is a damnable heresy and overthrows the faith of some. In fact, in 2 Timothy 2 17 and 18, Paul warns about those who believed in a overrealized eschatology even in his day. And I believe these things are written down for our instruction. And the talk of such men will spread like gangrene. He says, among them are Hymenaeus, Hymenaeus in the Greek, and Philetus, uh, Philetus, who have deviated from the truth. And they say the resurrection has already occurred. And they overthrow the faith of some. They're actually false teachers overthrowing people's faith because they're taking their eyes off of the resurrected Christ and our own and his his literal second coming, because they say that it's already taken place. Many full predators say we're already in the new heaven and new earth. I mean, that's a weak view of God, man. And that's, this is all we got, you know, or no, they'll say, oh, well, there's something more coming. But they say the resurrection has already come to pass. That's a damnable heresy. So uh, preterism is flammable. Uh, boarding are damnable, depending on how far you take it. And it's definitely brought a lot of, I, I mean, you're, we're personally, we know of a whole family that fell into it and Completely got away from the scripture yeah. then totally fell away. 
And had they held to the true teachings of Scripture, I don't believe that would have happened. Yeah, amen. Not to mention, as you mentioned before, maybe I'm not the best to have uh, do this part of trying to go quickly. But nonetheless, as you mentioned before, having you know a view where Satan is already bound, so you literally do not believe you have an enemy. Imagine yeah. men out at war. You're not, yeah. And and it's like, oh, we really don't need these weapons. Yeah. You know, it's no big deal. So yeah, very, we're, very, we very don't important. put our armor on because he's already bound. <laughs> Just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, don't worry about the schemes of the devil anymore, right? Okay, so... That took us a while just to get to the next one, but nonetheless, this is an important one for us, I know, as a ministry, and we are going to be going through, you specifically are going to be going through the entire book of Revelation in order in a couple weeks on live, so get ready for that. Lord, help us. Yeah, <laughs> and if it goes like this, we will only get through three chapters, so I'll try to do a better job then, so I'll get some practice. No, nah, I'm, I'm the one that sent the bad let's, job, real, because I went really long on that one. But let's do the pre-tribulation rapture, this teaching. Is it damnable, or is it Flammable. We have to start covering these real quick, right? So yes. I hate to do this, but we're going to have to hit them like two minutes each to get yep. all the ones in that we got to get. So I'm just going to say this. Paul says concerning Christ coming and our being gathered together up to him or to him, which pre-trib and post all Greek, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 is the rapture. He warns though concerning Christ coming and our being gathered together to him. He says, don't be deceived by word or letter as from us or spirit, right? A demon. So there's a lot of means of deception Paul's concerned about regarding the time of the rapture. He says that day is not going to take place until the apostasy it takes place and the man of sin is revealed to Antichrist, the last one who sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So he says, don't be deceived into thinking we're going to be gathered together and raptured to Christ before the Antichrist, the fall away in the Antichrist. He puts the rapture after the fall away in the Antichrist. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus did. And I believe very, very strongly that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 5, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 2, Paul is Paul is referring over and over again to the Olivet Discourse, and he has the same word that Jesus has, which is many will fall away. Then Jesus said about the abomination, desolation, the Antichrist. Then he'll gather his elect after the tribulation, chapter 24, verse 29 through 31. Very clear. But Paul was concerned about it being a deception. And this is huge because Jesus specifically warned that he was concerned about people believing in a, a time, their timing would be off. He'd say the end is not yet. He didn't want a premature end to where people didn't realize what they had to go through. And then Jesus also was concerned about somebody teaching a false nature of his second coming, and he warned about a secret coming. He's in the he's in the secret chambers and what have you. And pre-tribulationism teaches a secret coming at the beginning of the tribulation rather than a visible coming wherever I will see him, which is the church historically taught. And they teach us before the tribulation instead of after. This is very, very serious because Jesus prophesied that the church would fall into this, I believe. In Luke 17, he says, the time is coming when people are going to think they're going to see one of the days of the Son of Man. But it's not going to take place like that, he said. It's not going to happen. At that time, watch out for the false prophets. In other words, there'll be a lot of people anticipating Christ. It's not going to happen. Then they're going to be so disappointed. And for them, the blessed hope will become the blasted hope. In fact, it's interesting, pre-tribbers like Tim LaHaye, Jan Markell, have been calling now the, 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 that if the rapture is not pre-trib, it's going to be the blasted hope. In other words, we don't have any hope. Well, guess what? They're setting people up for a huge fall because now where'd our hope go? Well, guess what? Now you have these false Christ and false prophets. Now you're more open to following the false Christ because guess what? Well, he comes, the Christ comes before the Antichrist. This can't be the Antichrist. And then guess what? You can get deceived and following the Antichrist. This can't be the mark of the beast. You know, I have to I have to take a, a vaccine to buy or sell now. Well, that's not happening yet. That's, I'm not saying it's the mark of the beast precursors, right? But guess what? Now I have to uh, take this to buy or sell. This can't be the mark of the beast. I've been raptured yet, and I know Jesus would not let us go through the tribulation period. Uh, or that how could he let me go through this? A loving God would never let me go through this. There's so many problems that are attendant to the pre-trib rapture, but it's flammable. You can believe in a pre-trib rapture and love Jesus and be fruitful and so forth, but it has the potential to lead you radically astray if you're to live into the time of the tribulation period. 
where it becomes damnable because you take the mark of the beast or you become angry at God, which many pre-tribbers, in my debate with Dr. Stoffer over in Colorado when they invited me, I point out these scenarios and I give many quotes where pre-tribs say that God's evil if he lets them go through the tribulation period. So it's setting people up for a fall. Yeah, no, that's a, that's that's really good. So we, we are dealing with a flammable doctrine there with the pre-trib rapture. So the next one is cessationism. Now that is the teaching that the gifts that are described in the Bible, the gifts of the Spirit, that they have actually ceased. Is that a damnable or is it a flammable heresy? Yeah, you have the two extremes. You have sensationalism, which is the New Apostolic Reformation, the NAR movement, which is very, very flammable, causing a lot of people to fall away. Certain doctrines that they can hold to there too are actually damnable. If they believe in the born again Jesus, they did to burn in hell and so forth, which many of them are word faith. They hold a lot of other attendant doctrines that often go out along with the NAR movement. A lot of strange visions, a lot of strange fall of false prophets often, which they get their eyes off of Jesus. So they're inflammable and flammable. That's the NAR movement. On the other side, you have cessationism. Uh, and cessationism denies, you know, uh, for instance, the gift of prophecy. Many of them say has ceased and so forth. Uh, that the Holy Spirit can't speak through you anymore like that. Uh, but Jesus said during the tribulation period, when it comes that time comes, he says to his disciples, his apostles who represented the church, he said, because he's telling them to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all the nations. And he says, gospel kingdom, we preach in all the world, witness to all the nations, and the end will come. And he's telling them to witness, but he also says, don't premeditate what you're going to speak. The Holy Spirit will give you utterance at that time. So if you're not relying on the Holy Spirit to use you and you don't believe God can use you in that way supernaturally, not only does it affect your reliance uh, to be used by God at that time, but also if you believe the two witnesses, if you're, if you're a strict cessationist and you're not familiar with the book of Revelation and so forth, and the two witnesses are prophesying, oh, they can't be prophesying. The gift of prophecy is already gone. Who are these guys, you know? And I mean, that would be an extreme... Uh, fall if someone would hopefully uh you know they say okay guess what john MacArthur would happen in his lifetime oh guess what i guess they're hey, they're bringing fire down from heaven the two witnesses and they're doing all these miracles and whatever curse they bring up and or i should say plague oh, i guess the gifts of the spirit are still here in some way because i'm sure john MacArthur would say that uh the two witnesses are legitimate witnesses and they prophesy says they prophesy so uh he's not able to actually get over that with his gift his belief in cessationism so he probably already has that worked out in his brain in some way. A lot of people will not rely, it was my biggest concern, on the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, you have to be watch out for sensationalism. And certainly the Corinthians had gone off their rocker a bit, you know. But you also are warned not to despise prophesying, not to quench the Spirit, not to forbid the speaking in tongues. And now I'm quoting 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 as well. Uh, you have these various passages, Paul says, stir up the gifts within you. So it's important that we cry out to God, use us to your glory, and that we trust the Lord for whatever gift he wants to give us and whatever administration gives, different gifts to different administrations of gifts, and we cry out to them and be used. And I would say that's they're flammable. That's a flammable position. You can believe, you can be a cessationist, of course, and love Jesus and be fruitful in your walk. But at the same time, uh, while the hyper-charismatics and the you know charismaniacs out there are basically, we're the body of Christ, right? They're retarding the, the body of Christ, adding a very long tongue, you know, that becomes people trip over because that's their main emphasis with any of them. But then uh, the cessationists sometimes handicap the body of Christ by cutting off certain things that God wants to do. For instance, speaking with through people by the power of the Holy Spirit during the tribulation period. 
Yeah, and I noticed you said that at the end times the, that the Holy Spirit will give them utterance. So that would fall back into the pre-trip grant that says the Holy Spirit is gone. It's during gone the, during that. Ooh, the, we get back on that early one. I don't, don't do want to do, uh, do that. But yes, and you can check out, by the way, I forgot to mention this during your pre-trip talk, but we actually have a number of series. If you just go to Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel, you can see the entire debate almost um, with Dr. Doug Stoffer, as well as a number of teachings specifically, as well as our entire DVD, Left Behind yeah. or Led Astray. You can check Kirk, that out. Kirk Cameron had watched or heard a few of my messages on the time of the rapture the very day that the pre-trib uh, it's a long story so i'll just say uh, he was the pre-trib main guy actor right for left behind and after hearing them he became post-trib because it's so convincing yeah okay so next one damnable or flammable the prosperity gospel uh, prosperity gospel is flammable and also damnable depending on what parts of it you believe it's damnable if you're believing in the born-again Jesus, that Jesus had to be born again, uh, that he became emaciated, uh, an, uh, an emaciated uh, demoniac, as Kenneth Copeland taught on the cross, that, uh, he, that he literally became not just the sin offering, but he became sinful and wicked on the cross, which uh, in a demoniac, Copeland says, that's a different Jesus. That's not the gospel according no. to uh, 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 the 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, and then they believe that he had to suffer in hell for our sins. The Bible says he suffered in the tree on the cross. He rescued those who were in Hades that were the righteous dead that had faith, you know, but not the wicked dead on the other side. Luke 16 talks about these two different sides of Hades, right? So uh, if you have a, if you're a full-blown word faith guy and you're putting your faith in these different, different gospel, different spirit, different Jesus, uh, yeah, you're believing, you don't have the Jesus of the Bible, you can't be saved. However, many word faith people, prosperity gospel people don't actually even understand the depths of a lot of the teaching they've fallen into through watching TBN and a lot of "Quote unquote Christian TV," uh, and they but they bought into this whole thing where faith becomes a force that you use and and you can manipulate reality through that force. And I don't we don't know each person's heart. So a lot of people you know love Jesus, they fall in love with Jesus, they start watching Christian TV, quote unquote, and all of a sudden they're watching these things and they start doing these you know confessing, I claim this, I claim wealth, I claim health, and so forth. And then what it can do is get their eyes off of Jesus so easily and into a form of witchcraft to where they're yeah. looking at the power of their words rather than looking to the Lord. And that can become very flammable, and you can be consumed in that. And and guess what? Paul says, uh, by longing to be rich, many have fallen away from the faith, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6. So, I'm sorry, uh, 1 Timothy, Timothy 5 and 6. 5 and 6 yeah. So it's interesting when you look at those passages, uh, many of those caught up in the prosperity movement are, are trying to confess riches and so forth. And Paul warns that that is a... A doctrine that could lead you away from Jesus to hell, you know, lead you away from the faith. So it's very flammable. Awesome. All right. And damnable at certain points. Well, I guess it's not awesome, but nonetheless, that I think it also comes awesome back. Awesome that to we know the truth. Awesome when we know that the we're truth. Warned. Amen. And you watch your life and your doctrine in doing so. You save yourself and those who hear you. Another doctrine damnable or flammable replacement theology, which teaches that the church has replaced Israel and God no longer has a plan for Israel. I would say definitely at least, you know, flammable, because if you believe that God is totally done with Israel and there are no more, uh, you can end up in a lot of bad positions. First of all, first uh, Romans chapter 11, verses 19 and following, Paul warns the believers at this time, you say uh, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by your faith. Do not be haughty, but fear for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. Then he says, and this is important for if 
uh, if you were cut off out of a wild olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted in contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, whom are the natural branches, mean the natural Jews, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not desire, uh, brethren, that you are, I'm sorry, for I, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is the covenant with them. Uh, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. It's so clear he's not done with Israel. Paul makes that clear, abundantly clear throughout Romans 11 where he talks about how they're, they're enemies for uh, the gospel's sake but they're, they're, they're beloved for God's sake because his promise to the patriarchs and he's not done with them and all Israel will be saved and obviously he's contrasting Israel here. Israel's not the church here. Israel's contrasted with the body of Christ and they've been broken off but they'll be grafted back in again. God's not done. But here's the attendant dangers he mentions. That you can be high-minded and you think, look, look, I'm, I'm, we're now the chosen people. And, and we have the status of being chosen. And, and get your focus on, hey, since we're the chosen people, supposedly, uh, the new chosen people, and the God's done with the Jews, you'd be high-minded and not be concerned about continuing the faith and you could be cut off. And guess what? Many that hold the replacement theology do get conceited in regard to their standing, don't believe that they could be cut off. They don't believe they could fall away. Many Calvinists hold that position who believe in replacement theology. And it also is dangerous in this way. Many that I see that hold replacement theology have also become enemies of the state of Israel. That's true. And I mean, I've heard uh, Hank Hanegraaff say derogatory things about the state of Israel. Yeah, the uh, guy from True News, Rick Wiles. Yeah, and and what happens is you can find yourself agreeing with the nations that are going up to fight against Israel at Armageddon. And all in those same nations, it says, well, fight against the Lamb. So you could, because of your anti-Semitism, I'm not saying everybody that believes in replacement theology are anti-Semitic. Some say that, I don't say that. But I do say that that actually does play in to attract people that aren't asymmetric. And it is a very flammable doctrine that could lead to a lot of dangers. Yeah, and if Jeremiah 31 is true, which it is, and uh, you see those stars in the sky, then you can that's know right. also that the same He's God not done with Israel. is not done with Israel. Amen, that's, right, that's right. So let's move on to the next one. This is a big one, and this lines up really well because we're just talking about how we do believe God has a plan even for unbelieving Israel. But now one of the biggest dangers, especially, I don't know if you're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10, because I see it a lot there, uh, but one of the biggest dangers is the Hebrew roots movement. Now, is this a damnable or a flammable heresy? Yeah, we need to do a show on each of these. <laughs> we will. You know? Uh, but, <laughs> Lord willing. But because I know I've got to get, we've got to get to a few more. So. we got about eight minutes. we got about eight minutes? Okay, yeah. so Hebrew roots movement, uh, it depends to what degree people are committed. Right the Hebrew roots movement and what beliefs they have. So it's a very, it's a, it's a big movement, but many of them are teaching that you have to keep the Jewish law to be saved or be right with God, you know, or aspects of the Jewish law. They kind of pick and choose, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and it's interesting because we have entire books like, you know, Hebrews, for instance, and the book of Galatians and part of Colossians and so forth. Colossians is a hybrid between mysticism, uh, incipient or, you know, seminal Gnosticism and, and Judaism that he's dealing with there. But uh, to make it somewhat brief, uh, Paul made it very clear, if you're teaching that you have to keep the law, to be Jesus plus the law of Moses to be saved, or aspects of the law of Moses to be saved that aren't repeated as part of the law of Christ in the New Testament, and uh, that it's a damnable heresy, basically. I mean, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, I marvel that you're so quickly being removed from him who's called you to the grace of Christ to another gospel, which is really not another gospel. Then in verse 7, he says, you know, he says, if anyone preaches another gospel to you than that which we preach to you, let him be accursed. And then he defines what this other gospel is. And in chapter uh, 4, 
Uh, chapter 3, it says, did he receive the Spirit, you know, by faith or by the works of the law? By the way, he doesn't say at baptism either. It says through faith. We'll get into that <laughs> baptism regeneration a little bit later. But he says, uh, or by, by faith or by the works of the law. Let him know it's not through the law that you got saved in the beginning. Why are you trying now to be perfected by the flesh? He goes on to say. And then in chapter 4, he says, I'm afraid of you that I run my race in vain because you're keeping days. And, you know, they're keeping the Sabbaths and, and, and the feast days and so forth as though they had to. You know, not as pictures, and they're beautiful as pictures, but that they felt they had to. And then Galatians 5, verse 1 through 4, he says, Stand fast in the freedom, and stand fast in the Greek is a present tense imperative. It's a command. Continue to stand fast in the freedom wherewith Christ has set you free. So there he's talking to people who have been saved and have been set free, and don't be entangled again into the yoke of bondage. And then he goes on to describe that if any of you are being circumcised or justified through circumcision, if that's what you're trying to do, to be right with God through being circumcised, he says, you have been cut off. Literally in the Greek, it's abolished. It's interesting, hard to translate that. But you have been abolished or cut off from the Christ. You have been uh, severed from Christ, as many translations have it. And you have fallen from grace, or you have fallen out of grace would be a good translation of the Greek there. So it's kind of interesting uh, that he's very, very clear that if you're teaching these types of heresies, it's clearly damnable. It's not even it's not even flammable. It's damnable. So those in the word faith, or I should say in the Hebrew Roots Movement, who believe that you have to, you know, uh, and they have all sorts of different, you have to do this, you have to do this, says, you have to keep the Sabbath to be right with God. Oh, yeah, Otherwise you're damned. Uh, many, you know, Seventh-day Adventists believe that you have to keep the Sabbath or you're damned. And that's how you have to be, you know, that's part of being right with God. And my heart breaks for them because did you receive Christ? Did you, When you received Christ, put your faith in Christ for salvation, did you accept, say, I now accept the Sabbath too? Save no. So uh, it's just heartbreaking. So uh, definitely, and I'm not saying all Seventh-day Adventists are putting their trust in the Sabbath and, and, and law-keeping to be right with God, but many of them are, and many in the Hebrew Roots Movement are as well. And it's, it's, These things are all over the place, man, and, it, and we have yeah. to talk about them. Yeah, we might have to just do a whole docu-series on the Hebrew Roots Movement yeah. because it is one of the more dangerous things, especially sure. because of the pendulum swinging that goes on from the antinomians who believe there's yeah. no law, and then you swing that thing all the way back to, well, yeah. here's these laws. What is First John talking about? So we're going right. to have to do with that. And the but. balance is the New Testament law of Christ that mentions a couple times. We have the law of Christ, and we don't keep it to attain our salvation either. We keep it out of thanksgiving for what the Lord has done for us in salvation. Through faith, we obey Jesus' commands. All right. Well, this one I know we've touched on a lot, but we got to keep touching on it. Is it damnable or... Flammable, once saved, always saved. Uh, it depends on what version you have. If you have the Calvinistic version, Perseverance of the Saints, uh, which they say, well, you will persevere if you've ever been saved and you, you can't possibly fall away, finally, at least, uh, that's flammable because uh, a lot of Calvinists, they believe much like we do that you must persevere in your faith. And uh, so I have a lot in common with my Calvinist brethren because they'll say you have to con continue the faith. And they'll say, if you don't, you were never saved. But they also are teaching when they teach that, that if you were saved and you've been saved, and they, many of them have been convinced that they're one of the elect, that's unconditional, your election. Therefore, no matter how far you fall away, you'll eventually come back. You'll come back to salvation. And Westminster Confession says they can fall away, but they'll eventually come back. So many believe that, oh, well, I'll come back if I've ever been chosen. That becomes flat, uh, downable at that point if you fall away and you've been deceived. The other one, which is, and I know we just got a few minutes left, uh, the other one, which is the damnable heresy, is when you're teaching people that, guess what? Even in your apostate state, it's not perseverance of the saints, it's preservation of the apostate. Your soul is preserved even if you're you know, sticking the middle finger at the Lord and you're, 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 you're spitting on his blood and you're still saved no matter what. Well, Paul says, don't be deceived. 
folks that live wicked lives, practice sin, will not inherit God's kingdom. So Paul calls it, and Peter calls it, actually that's where we, I got the term first, or we got the term, Second Peter chapter 2, King James Version, damnable heresies. He calls the grace changes what they're teaching, a damnable heresy. Amen. All right. Flammable or, da- or, flammable or damnable, I guess I've, I've mixed that up, but Calvinism. Okay, how much more time we have? Or we got how, one how minute. Many, how many more do we have left? We, we got two, just Calvinism and baptismal regeneration. Okay, Calvinism, we kind of just addressed a little bit. Yeah. And Calvinism, you could, they teach a limited atonement, which could be very dangerous. Uh, it can affect your, your spiritual work, affect everything because you believe in determinism and that you really don't have choices. So there's a lot of problems attended Calvinism. We've talked about a lot in the past. So I'll say it's, it's flammable and can become damnable uh, with regard to uh, uh, baptismal regeneration. Again, and we addressed this already before, but I'll read a little bit what I said there. Is the person that believes in baptismal regeneration believing that he has done a work or is trusting in what he did or trusting in his baptism for salvation? Or is he trusting the person and the work of Lord Jesus Christ on the cross? That's the main issue. Uh, there's many Lutherans, there's Baptists like federal, I'm sorry, Calvinists like federal uh, visionists. Presbyterian, yeah. Presbyterians, certain Presbyterians anyway, uh, that believe that, yeah, I was saved at my baptism. Uh, so, uh, or Church of Christ teaches that you have to be, many of them, you have to be baptized in our church and your baptism didn't count because you have to believe regeneration happens at salvation and you probably didn't believe that you're baptized in your other church, you have to be baptized here. That becomes a heresy. That becomes a downward heresy because now you're creating an incredible division and letting people know it's your specific baptism that saves them, even though they had previously been baptized. So that's very, very dangerous. But there are those who believe that uh, they, they're saved at their baptism by Christ, and they don't believe it's a work they do. They believe they're passive. They allow somebody else to baptism, baptize them and so forth. And I, I totally disagree with that viewpoint, but I don't believe, uh, I believe there's people that actually believe and aren't trusting in the work of their baptism for salvation, but are looking to Christ. So I'm not going to say everybody that believes in baptism regeneration is damned, but I will say it's a flammable heresy because it can get your eyes off of the cross and what Jesus shed and on the water. Amen. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.